Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We are uh, very pleased to tell you that in our second segment today, we're going to speak with a showbiz legend, Ms. Carol Channing. Yes, THE Carol Channing. Now, to some of you younger listeners, that name may not mean much, but I think if you will uh, stay with us in our second segment, you'll learn a great deal about someone who is really, truly one-of-a-kind, a a pop icon, a visage familiar all over the world. Yes, uh, it's going to be fun. Stay stay tuned for that. And in our third segment today, we're going to talk about uh, some excellence, uh, some excellence that's, uh, that well, needs to get talked about on this show. We mentioned last week we're going to talk to Michael Leahy from KDVS and also Steve Baker from KVMR. Both were recipients of awards for, uh, well, for a couple different categories. Uh, we'll talk about that in, in segment three. Well, let's start the show in our usual fashion. On this date in history, October 13th, 1534... Italian Cardinal Alessandro Farnese is elected Pope and takes the name Paul III. Rumors had it that his support resulted largely from his romantic affair between his sister and the previous Pope, Alexander VI. On this date in 1812, during the War of 1812, British and Indian forces under Sir Isaac Brock defeated the Americans at the Battle of Queenstown Heights on the Canadian frontier effectively ending U.S. plans to conquer Canada. And on this date in 1884 in Washington, D.C., delegates from 25 nations agreed to adopt the Greenwich Meridian, the line of longitude passing through Greenwich, England, as the prime meridian, that is, zero degrees longitude. And our quote of the day, uh, based on the theme of the fact that the GOP in this country appears to be a bit in trouble and on the defensive, we have an oldie but a goodie. A quote from Representative Charles Vanek of Ohio, who said when he heard that the indicted Sparrow Agnew was asking to have his corruption case tried by the House instead of by a regular court, quote, He's trying to take the decision out of the hands of 12 honest men and give it to 435 congressmen. Our statistic of the day is as follows. Franklin Roosevelt vetoed 635 bills during his presidency, which I believe is a record. Lyndon Johnson vetoed 30. Jimmy Carter, 31. President Bush has yet to veto a single bill. I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. 
And our joke of the day comes from the immortal Rodney Dangerfield, who once said, I got a bad dog. The other week he went on the paper four times. Three times I was reading it. to admit we're, we're hooked we can't give it up we we are we are addicted to the good week for bad week for selections of the week magazine and without further ado let's notice that well a couple weeks ago it was noted that it was a good week for the steady march of human rights after the danish government unveiled a new program that will pay prostitutes to sleep with disabled people the disabled must have the same possibilities as other people, said lobbyist Stig Langvad. And we can't disagree. It was likewise judged a good week for the people kicked off the island after Richard Hatch, the Machiavellian winner of the original Survivor TV show in 2000, was charged with evading $400,000 in taxes on his $1 million prize. Last week was judged a bad week for strange bedfellows after easy listening legend Burt Bacharach, age 77, teamed up with gangster rap producer Dr. Dre to produce an album of protest songs. Burt's pissed, said a friend who has heard the record, and you can feel it. And far and away, my favorite of a quartet of Good Week 4 items is the following. It was judged a good week for undertakers after Florida's new Stand Your Ground law went into effect. Citizens in Florida, the state of which Jeb Bush is the governor, are now entitled to shoot anyone they feel is threatening them with no obligation to defuse the situation or retreat. And it was in the bad week category, judged a bad week for alternative medicine after an Oregon woman sued a doctor for $4 million on the grounds that he prescribed frequent sex with him as a treatment for her lower back pain. And I think my favorite item of all of these, it was judged a bad week for the rich after a new study revealed that, quote, functional psychopaths, unquote, make better investors, CEOs, and lawyers. Better than normal people because they lack normal human emotions. Uh, what should we do? Well, we should forward promote a little bit. We should uh, note for you, the listener, that on next week's program, we're going to interview the editor of The Onion. They have a new uh, hilarious volume out, and we're looking very forward to uh, talking with uh, 
with an Onion editor about that. The following week, we expect to talk to Chip Mooney, the author of the book, The Republican War on Science. And the week after that, we hope to have a special show on avian flu. You know, we've been neglecting our science topics on this program, uh, and we, we want to mention a few of those. Um, we got a report here from Lake Nios in Cameroon. You may recall that in 1989, this lake released an enormous cloud. Well, it wasn't really cloud. It was just it was normal-looking air, but it wasn't air. It was carbon dioxide gas. It's heavier than regular air. It rolled out of the caldera of the volcano down and actually killed 1,700 people nearby. New study by the University of Michigan and the U.S. Geological Survey shows that CO2 is building up again. Uh, they tried to put a gas-releasing tube uh, down into the lake to, uh, to allow the carbon dioxide to vent off, but apparently uh, they expect that uh, they're going to fall behind, and they're looking uh, down the road saying that this disaster might repeat itself. We hope something can be done about that. Um, an article in Popular Science noted that scientists are now experimenting with techniques for growing meat. Scientists at MIT have created thin sheets of turkey meat cultured from biopsies of muscle cells. The technique so far is a long way from producing a nice juicy uh, filet mignon, but it, uh, it's got people interested because this is a way to grow meat that doesn't involve killing a sentient being. So it may allow people who are even vegetarian to, uh, to chomp away on, uh, on actual meat uh, without, uh, without fear. <laughs> My producer's asking in the background, turkeys are considered sentient beings? Well, you, you've heard that phrase, I won't, won't eat anything that has a face or anything that objects to my eating it. Uh, anyway, well, a culture of muscle cells won't object to your eating it. And a study done at the, uh, at the Institute for the Study of Labor in Germany had an interesting result. It turned out that people who take more risks were correlated with being more satisfied with their lives. They, they played a game, an investment game, in which participants could uh, divvy up a sum of 100,000 euros uh, as they saw fit, put some, uh, well, put it in, ver in various investment strategies. It turned out their choices were analyzed according to how much risk they were willing to take. It turned out that the people who followed the riskiest investment strategies were also the most likely to consider themselves optimistic and well-adjusted. Uh, there's a bit of a chicken and egg problem with this. They can't explain whether uh, uh, people are more optimistic because they're satisfied and, and thus more likely to take risks, or are they satisfied because they've taken risks and gotten what they'd hoped for? Study continues. And a final item, uh, scientists put into orbit the Swift Gamma Ray Observatory uh, some months back, and uh, it hit pay dirt on September 5th when it detected an enormous burst of light and gamma rays, uh, which had basically been traveling since the universe was in its infancy, only 900 million years after the Big Bang, which is, you know, 13 billion years ago. This former star, which collapsed into a black hole, was, of course, then the, the, the most distant object and the oldest object ever seen in the visible universe. What uh, surprised me about this was the, the note that the gamma rays that were released when that star exploded were so strong, said the scientists, that if the event had taken place anywhere in our own galaxy, and the galaxies are 100,000 light years across, but anywhere in our own galaxy, it would have destroyed the Earth instantly.
All right, we need to say a few words on today's show. I think just a few words today about uh, Harriet Meyer. We talked about William Rehnquist last week. We want to talk about John Roberts. We'd like to talk about about these nominees with a uh, someone who really is knowledgeable about our Constitution and judicial picks. And who better than KDVS's own Jeff Kravitz, who's joining us for uh, for a bit on today's show? Welcome back, Jeff. Hi. How are you? Well, we're, we're okay. What did you, what do you think about uh, Harriet Myers? I think, you know, she's a typical pick of Bush, uh, a complete insider. I'm sure that Bush is pretty uh, well convinced that she will toe and in support the uh, conservative line that uh, he promotes. Of course, you know, sometimes conservatives don't like the results of their own ideas to some extent. It should be remembered that the conservatives were going to, the most conservative members of the bench, aside from Scalia, strangely, were going to vote that states could allow medical marijuana, which is certainly something political conservatives don't support. So in the terms of the judicial world, these things sometimes are upside down. Don't you think, don't you think the fact that conservatives are griping about Myers and, and oddly, to my mind, Democrats are going to bat for it, doesn't this strike you as a case of like, you know, whatever you do, don't throw me in the briar patch on the part of these conservatives? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, there may be some of that, but for the most part, I believe that the conservative indignation is true. They wanted an ideologue or, uh, and, or someone who showed exceptional leadership qualities, like Roberts, um, to, to be in there. And um, they felt that this was, a posi- this was a choice that showed timidity on the part of President Bush, and um, they don't like that. They have a lot of complaints about Bush. Uh, they finally seem to have woken up and realized what the rest of us realized a long time ago, that the emperor has no clothes. I mean, think about it. The Bush administration's one claim to fame is that during the that he was president, it was on his watch that the single greatest uh, breach of security in the history <laughs> of the United States took place and the single greatest terrorist attack on the United States ever happened. While he was president, uh, 9-11 happened. Other than that, he has no accomplishments of his presidency at all. The Bush administration is a, is a tragedy. Uh, Man, but everybody I'm... knew this when they voted. I mean, this, he is going to get to pick at least one other Supreme Court justice before the end of his term. I guarantee it. I will bet on it today. Yeah. Anybody wants to take the bet? He will pick another one, probably the replacement for Stevens, which will be a true disaster uh, for people in this country. Well, tell you what, on, on next week's show, or next week or the week after, we're, we're, we would like you to come back and give us a, a more lengthy analysis of what's going on in the Supreme Court follies. Uh, could, could you do that? Uh, depending on whether or not I, you know, I'm smoking crack cocaine that <laughs> evening. If I am at the crack house, I won't be able to be on the air. But if I'm not, I will be more than happy to be on the program. All right. Well, Jeff, we appreciate it, and we look forward to speaking again uh, a little bit down the line. Okie dokie. And let's take a break in a minute here, but uh, go out with an email sent us by Jerry, uh, noting that uh, there's been a trial balloon that's been uh, been, been sent up uh, in the Middle East, noting that Saddam Hussein may never come to trial. This comes from Iraq's former special tribunal director. Salim Hussein, the nephew of Ahmed Chalabi, Iraq's powerful vice minister, who is in charge of oil and energy issues, told an audience at the American Enterprise Institute, a conservative Washington think tank, that Saddam's trial may never come to fruition. Amatia Baram told the AEI that, uh, you know, there's growing worries in Baghdad over security threats from the escalating insurgency, and this may hinder 
the current government's ability to successfully hold Saddam's trial at this time. It was currently scheduled to start on October 19th. Boy, this is uh, something of a case of, uh, of life imitating art, uh, noting that The Onion had a headline in, in the issue uh, that we'll be talking about next week saying, Saddam Hussein gets off on a technicality. Article from The Onion, Dateline Baghdad. The U.S. was forced to free accused war criminal Saddam Hussein Monday following the revelation that their former Iraqi dictator had been arrested in an illegal search. American special forces neglected to obtain proper warrants before dragging Mr. Hussein from his hiding place, Iraqi Prime Minister Ayad Alawi said. Hussein, who is still named as defendant in hundreds of outstanding civil cases, said his release was proof that the system works. Let us take a short break. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS, 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned. Look at that crowd up ahead. Listen and hear that brass harmony growing. Look at that crowd up ahead. Pardon me if my old spirit is showing All of those lights over there Seem to be telling me where I'm going When the whistle blows and the cymbals crash And the sparklers light the sky I'm gonna raise the roof, I'm gonna carry on Give me an old trombone, give me an old baton Before the parade is alive.